Today, I'm talking to Taylor Travaglione, the VP of Growth and Evolution at One Sotheby's International Realty, where he oversees 27 offices in South Florida and along Florida's East Coastline, all the way to Ponte Vedra and Jacksonville. Before One, Taylor was a real estate agent in New York City, where he not only rose to the top in luxury real estate, he started Triplement, an innovative software-powered real estate brokerage that is now a top real estate brokerage in New York. Known for his raw energy and personable, authentic approach, Taylor has managed to convert countless relationships into mutually beneficial business opportunities. He and I talk about how to get real and rise to the top. Thank you for listening to the Jerry Metcalf podcast where top real estate agents tell how they do it. This podcast was created for real estate agents across the country to come together, sharing ideas to take your, their, and our business to the next level. Our episodes are powered by Breakthrough Luxury Coaching and Membership. This is a coaching platform that was created and inspired by Jerry Metcalf Podcast, where top real estate agents tell how they do it. At Breakthrough Luxury Coaching, this is coaching and membership that provides luxury real estate agents, community and coaching that create results. To learn more, go to getstarted.breakthroughluxury.com. To get the full story, go direct to the homepage at BreakthroughLuxury.com. There's a letter from me explaining how all of this came together, and this is now launched in a big part and powered by the Jerry Metcalf Podcast. Last but not least, thank you to our sponsors. Thank you, Modern Luxury Magazine, who's been there through the ups and downs and some of the greatest successes of my career as a real estate agent. At Modern Luxury, connection and community define who we are. Modern Luxury is the nation's largest media company offering leading brands access to the most affluent audiences in the most prominent cities across the United States of America. And lookbooklink.com, thank you for your sponsorship. This is the digital business card, your digital business card, and it's here. To see mine, go to lookbooklink.com forward slash JMP. Create your own with ease in minutes. You don't even need your kid's help. And you'll have a custom name and a custom QR code for sharing. It shares not only your contact info, it shares key resources for your prospects as you meet people. Your prospects and people that you meet will not only never lose your information, they'll see right away why to hire and refer you without you saying a word. Go to lookbooklink.com and use promo code JMP123 for a 10% savings on every lookbook link you purchase. And now for the show. All right, everybody, it's the Jerry Metcalf Podcast, where top real estate agents tell how they do it. And we have today, Taylor Travillon. Taylor, did I get it right? He's giving me a hard time earlier about that. Great job. Thanks. So with one Sotheby's International Realty, and he, now where top real estate agents tell how they do it, he is actually, was an agent for 12 years in New York. Now you're in South Florida, and you're the VP of Growth and Evolution again, at one Sotheby's. That's correct. Well, that, thank you for coming on. Good to see you. Good to be here. So let's start with who you are today, and then we're going to get into how you guys started to learn a little bit from you. But explain to us, what, what exactly do you do today, briefly, and then we want to learn about how you got here. Sure, yeah. So in my role with, with one Sotheby's, um, you mentioned my title. I like to just summarize exactly what it is. And I usually put it into like two compartments. One, I, I oversee all the, the agent prospecting. So b- dealing with the top one and 2% uh, producers across all of our markets, which now is from Miami all the way up to Amelia Island. So that's 29 offices. So we cover the entire East Coast. So I don't keep an office. My office is on I-95. Uh, and then <laughs> the other side of things, uh, the, oh, that second compartment, I would say, would be uh, 
spearheading a lot of the M&A efforts. So as we continue to expand our footprint, uh, meeting, uh, engaging with a small, medium, and large independently owned brokerages. And, and that really kind of encapsulates like the majority of my time. And then we have about 15% or so, which I'll say for later about that I uh, uh, also oversee and then, you know, try to kick off some uh, really exciting programs and initiatives for the agents that do join us. Nice. Okay. So that's a lot. That's a lot. That was loaded. So 29 offices you oversee, that takes some real leadership skill. In what you do, or what were you going to say? Nothing. I don't do it all by myself. I do have two amazing people on the the team, uh, and they're, they're, they're absolutely, I think, as good, if, if not the best at what they do. I, I don't say that just freely or, or casually. I mean, the whole point is to surround yourself with tens or, or you know, strive to do that. And, and I really feel like I, I've been able to do that. I've been fortunate in doing that. Uh, hopefully they would say the same about me. But uh, right now we're having really fun doing what we're doing and we're, we're delivering great results, which is most important. So I love what you just said because I think it has to do with success where you are now and as an agent. It's, it's important to surround yourself with tens. Always, if you can control it. So what, how do you do that? And what, do you, what is a 10? A 10 is someone that essentially is honest, better than you, right? I mean, I looked at when I hire people or, or I, I even engage with people that I think excite me. Uh, I, I'm not, unfortunately, I'm not easily impressed. I, I don't really give a lot of praise all that much. I, I really am one of those people that, uh, I, I don't know, stoic in some sense, you know, when I kind of like am around talent because I just like to observe and understand how people do things. But to answer your question, uh, I, when I do find people that, uh, you know, not necessarily always light up a room, but but have those intangibles that, that I know that I don't possess and those tangibles that I don't possess. I always look for like my counter, right, my skill set. And, and I think I found two amazing people. Actually, I know I have. I uh, have two amazing people that round out our, our, our little unit and that does big, great things. And, and that's really what I look for is people that basically offset your skills, but actually are, are, are better than you in, in, in those areas. And that's most important. So surrounding yourself, it makes me think of you are who you're around. So, you know, okay. watch the I, company you keep. Yeah, sure. I, I believe in that. What about, so let's get back to getting into real estate. How and why did you get into business first place or into the business of real estate? I quickly learned after uh, graduating college um, that I, I was uh, unfortunately insubordinate. And that's just, <laughs> that sounds like a good real estate agent. That's, that's the honest truth. Uh, don't get me wrong. I had a great job out of college. It didn't last for very long. And I, I realized I, I wasn't going to become... The, the Jerry Maguire that I went to college to become. I had some short stints with some talent agencies and, and uh, a stint with the Miami Heat as well. And, and it, was, it was very exciting. But uh, after spending time in Miami after school, I realized I had to do something with my life and I had to go in business for myself. And I didn't know which way I was going to go. And I just realized, okay, dealing with people, uncapped, income potential and I just had to deal with myself every morning in the mirror as my boss. I was like, sign me up. So that's what I did. And I went back home. Uh, I'm originally from New York. So I, I knew the market, which was really uh, gave me some advantage, right? I have a network there and I, I mean, it didn't always, it didn't translate as fast as I thought it would into to dollars, but um, that was it. I went to New York, got a license and uh, just kind of forced my way into the industry with uh, a top brokerage and a top team at the, at the time and uh, survived those 12 years and was able to do some good things uh, and, and which ultimately led me and set up other opportunities to, to where I am today. So New York, 12 years. And yeah. well, first of all, you graduated from college. You were, it sounds like you were in South Florida or in Miami. I was, yeah. I went to college in Central Florida, a school, little school called Stetson, and then um, 
I transferred out three times. I was not really meant for school either. I just kept trying to get away from curriculum, but uh, my parents wanted me to finish, so I went back to finish. What a good son. And now you're, but the irony is you're back in an environment where you're, you're in an innovative, amazing company. You're a leader of a big company that, and you're a big part of curriculum from what I just heard is what you're instilling, which of all people, you might have an idea of, of you know, in your weaknesses, your strength. What's going to actually capture people's attention and what are they going to appreciate and enjoy to learn and grow? Yeah, exactly. I have a few little uh, concepts that I, I like to impart like into like daily uh, with, with the guys I work with. And uh, it's, you know, I'm, so, I'm, I'm gentle with people, but, but I'm, I'm hard on standards, right? I really want to like mm. really high but also making sure that people are treated fairly, uh, most importantly, and, and being kind to the people we work with. And uh, that's that's probably number one. And um, yeah. Gentle with people and hard on standards. I write that down. I love that. It's so, it's so important. So yeah. let's go back, get through the career, because I love you've done so much. And clearly, school wasn't your thing. Curriculum wasn't your thing. Yeah. And oftentimes that works for real estate agents, but most of the time that still is not going to work out for real estate. What did that look like? How did you break in? How hard was it? When did it happen? What did it look like? Well, I mean, the test is the test, right? You take it in this, this disgusting building, if you know Manhattan. It's like, kind of we know that part. Right. I to get the hell out of there. The building wasn't pretty, but you passed. Yeah, by Madison Square Garden, between Madison Square Garden and Macy's, it's like this black hole. And of course, that would be where you take your real estate exam. So all of us just wanted to get out and knock it out the first time. And then um, from there, I, I didn't really do a lot of interview. I just kind of, I, I just walked in. I just like went in. I was like, okay, I'm going to be a downtown agent. That's where I live. That's where I like. Uh, even though I know the city in Brooklyn, I, that's where I wanted to specialize. So Corcoran at the time was the top downtown office. Uh, they had a beautiful office uh, and there was a top team there. And I just reached out and offered my services and they they hired me and I was like their show dog their show pony for like two and a half years before I ended up finally going independent so they definitely got a lot of energy uh and 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 miles and tread out of out of having me on their team and uh in hindsight they could have compensated me a little bit better but uh it it ultimately Paid off. Led me, yeah, to going rogue and uh, carving out my own path. Nice. So looking back, what because give us a little bit about, we have the intro, but for those of you, those listening to this without the intro, especially when they listen on video, uh, give us, you know, you, so that was the beginning. You ended up with a, with a top team in New York City, and then you end up coming to Miami in leadership. So, you know, that's the beginning. You're kind of like, the rogue, your two and a half years of getting your feet wet. Yeah, that was the first two and a half of What did you learn? Like getting into it, what did you learn and what was the thing? What did you learn? Like being where you are now and looking back, what were the experiences that we can yeah, pull sure. out? One, how to treat people. And, and that's yeah. something I still do to today. And uh, a big thing that I, I, I do and I, I always check myself is that uh, I lead, I don't manage. I, I don't. That's just what I don't. Mm. I, I lead. And I think the guys um, know that uh, my results and and the way I carry myself and, and handle and deal with uh, our audience and our clients and our you know prospects like that resonates more with them than than any kind of micro or macro managing techniques because I don't have that it's just not part of my repertoire it's not who I am and uh, that's what I do I just I just stick with what I know works and that I that I think I'm good at. And, and it hasn't really failed me yet. So I'm kind of just staying on that course. Well, looking back at being a real estate agent, when you got into it, did you think that what, it, what, what, what about it was what you thought and what you didn't think? And in that moment, where did you go from new and no business to rolling and being in a position to have a team and start your own business? Yeah, sure. I mean, I wouldn't say it just started. I wasn't one of those guys where I like popped one big deal and and then everything just happened for me uh it, it definitely happened after i left the team and realizing uh you know the the inconsistency of of income 
and having to just do deals, whether it's rentals, even though we all hated them, uh, versus selling. And then uh, in Manhattan, and a lot of people who are who listen in and have sold or do sell in Manhattan or Brooklyn or, or in that area, you know, we do have a cooperative co-op buildings and condos where, you know, we do have these board packages that can be, you know, the size of like a Bible that swallowed a Bible. And then you have to do 10 copies. I mean, it's just, it's a not. A Bible that swallowed a Bible. It's not, as, it's not as glamorous as people make it out to be. Television definitely did a really good job of mm-hmm. making want to be brokers and agents because the money's great it is there but i mean what it takes to get to that end result was was uh a brutal uh awakening uh to to what the industry was really like and then uh the deal that did it for me i will was really a client right it just kind of showed me that uh, it was a referral from a, a manager a talent manager that had a client he was in a band whatever um, ended up being a really good band and he just trusted me and we did a deal. We met at something he wanted to brand. Next thing you know, we're buying something that, he, you know, it's just one of those stories. And then from that point on, I was like, okay, I have the chops to really service like this type of <coughs> client. And then even if the referrals didn't come, cause they didn't from that client for a while, I, I did have the network. Right. So I was fortunate mm-hmm. that using this was kind of like my case study, kind of like proving it to myself. Like I can do like a wire to wire deal with the most discerning clients, with their own business managers, money managers, like calling me up, chewing me out, telling me this is how it's gonna go and the negotiation should go this way. I mean, you can imagine. So after a close, that's what I was like, I'm ready to do this and and I really just wanna, you know, bet on myself and and really just go for broke uh, in this industry. And that's what I just, did and you know became broke a couple times but ultimately made it back that's uh, kind of what happens right yeah, it seems like it's always like the way i mean i had i had a really good life in, in manhattan and i i have when i left and i boarded that plane in fall of 19 i didn't have one regret and that was the most important uh moment for me leaving the city at that time to make this move was uh, knowing that I, I really squeezed out everything and took advantage of as many opportunities that came my way. And, uh, you know, to my fault, I, I was an avid yes person. Only later in life did I learn to say no a little bit more. But, um, I, yeah, so I had a lot of fun. So summing that up, you were in New York, you started the business, you joined a big team, you joined the right team, you learned, you got your feet wet, then you went rogue. and. In short, to sum it up, and you got the big client, and then you were like, okay, I can do this. Yeah. And you went with it, and of course, it had its ups and downs. But the three things to sum it up was knowing your market, number one. Number two, having and building the network. And number three, get your case study and yeah. deliver on it again and again. And having those three things, knowing your market, building the network, and building the case studies, and building up case study by case study, it's the momentum and propels your business. And that's what happened. It's the education, right? I mean, you really, you've seen it yeah. before at that point. And that's what pushed me to, to get in with, uh, when I left Corcoran to go with this startup at the time, uh, because I wanted to offer more, right? I always felt like I'm an agent, but if I'm going to be in this industry, I want to be able to have a little bit more influence. I want my fingerprints on a little bit of how the, how the brokerage should work and feel and, and kind of shape a brokerage for the first time. And these guys that started it were a couple guys from Yale. They were both 26 or 27. And I was like higher number six or five. And they let me bring in who I thought were amazing agents. They were. And then I was also selling. And what was cool about the, the company at the time was it was a lead generation based brokerage that also W2 uh, all their agents. So all the agents were salaried benefits and this was in 2013. So that was really, um, Unheard of. from a concept standpoint. So yeah. we were yeah, really smart kids or young professionals at a school or a few years removed to, to join. So we were getting really high intellect people that were hungry, that wanted to hustle, that really wanted to like do walk-up rentals because they were getting a base and they had benefits and their parents were okay with their career choice, even though they went to Duke, you know? So like, or, you know, the because idea. it was like, it was a real job, maybe. Well, yeah, it was a real job. It had all the trappings that you went to school for and they could justify it to their parents for at least a couple of years and they're going to make money day one. So, I mean, 
no one was taking advantage. It wasn't like some bogus internship that where it was just commission based or something like the the the, the, the industry as we know it today and how it's been for a hundred years. But um, and that was really cool. So getting like that started up and running. Um, I think a couple of agents. I think I told you before did a couple deals at like four or five million and they were still getting their base plus benefits and they were like, wait a minute, I think I want all uh, So, So what did you do about that? Or what did they do about that? Making the choice for about four months and then it became like an accounting issue uh, and then everyone just went 1099. So it lasted, it got great people in. It well, The most impressive- It's actually a cool model then, yeah. The most impressive part about the the concept and the model was that it was able to launch a lot of top agents today in Manhattan and Brooklyn and in the area um, from obscurity, right? They didn't have to go through and get abused, basically what I did, get abused for two and a half years, showing in snowstorms or whatever, just because they were like, that's your job. And yeah. able to humanize things and treat people the right way and, and take care of them and ultimately launch careers. I, I mean, some of these agents, yeah. one of them just called me yesterday saying, can you believe this? And I said, what happened? He's like, he did a deal for 24 and the same buyer bought an investment for 17.5 in Manhattan. And I was like, that, I'm like looking at my license. I'm like, oh my gosh, what that guy's doing. But it was amazing. Right. They, that yeah. person was like selling gym memberships when I met him, you know? So it's it's just it's funny what this industry can do for you can change your life and i really don't that's one of the things i love about this industry is the uh the financial reward if you put the work in yeah and also just back in every even in the business you started was gentle with people high with standards so new york 12 years you're an agent you become a top agent then you start a brokerage that's very different you use the foundation of what launched the brokerage which actually was something that ultimately got the right people and launched you ahead. And then you transition at some point in there and you come to South Florida. Where, when, how did that happen? Well, after the, I left the startup company, uh, Triple Mint, I'll say that's the name of the. Mm. Triple Mint. Mint. Yeah, Mint. Yeah. It's a Southern accent, but anyway. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> And it's the Derby this weekend too, so you got your mint and all that. Um, <clears throat> but uh, after that, I, I was a founding agent at Compass, and there they really brought, they gave me the opportunity to really set up uh, a top flight team with like real industry professionals, and and that's what I did. And then they also were were super cool because at the time, anyway, they they were only hiring engineers and people from like you know SAS and. Uh, consulting so they didn't really have any real estate people and I think I don't know if it was my personality or just the aw shucks style I kind of take to the industry uh, or bring into the day-to-day -day. Uh, they brought me into a lot of beta programs and I was able to work with a lot of the uh, the the people that were tasked with, with uh, identifying and ultimately converting talent being agents to join the company before they were doing the bigger sign-on bonuses and things like that and even till then, I was helping them kind of like groom and prepare basically at a, the, the, the foundation pieces on building a relationship. Yeah. It was almost like telling people like, wait a minute, how do you even like socialize with friends? This is what this is. You just talk to them and then figure out what they're, what they're you know, you have to wait for that thread, you know, and once they expose the thread, then you can start pulling at it and figure out, okay, now I can uh, convert this convert this into uh, another agent to the company. So it was fun to be in those closed door rooms because I was surrounded by a lot of really intelligent people. I probably wouldn't have an opportunity to do again from like the Apples and Facebooks and Googles of the world trying to like put this algorithm together on how to get a person from, you know, from point of contact and what the process and the chronological order looks like. It was wild. Um, but also helping to put my team together, which was really fun because I, I wasn't into the profit sharing model for the first uh, year or so. I wanted everyone to have like uh, autonomous ownership over the name. That's why I didn't go with my last name that you perfectly uh, pronounced. But um, I went. Probably on. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> but I went. I went the other route, and I just chose a, an open-ended, you know, ambiguous type word. And then I just wanted all the agents to take ownership with it because it's hard enough to get deals and listings, especially away from people that live in these buildings. Cause there's an agent that lives in every condo and every co-op. It's just a fact. 
So if you're going to penetrate, excuse me, that market, you have to come with something bigger. So if you can say you own a 12 person team and you have all this, so I help try to create like this narrative and add some context for them to really run with. And yeah, I mean, it, it up until last year, they just got ranked, you know, top 100 real trends, wall street journal, uh, team in, in the in the market and, and that was a huge achievement to see them kind of like take this this style and, and just kind of run with it honestly i didn't do those deals but i helped kind of create oh, but you were the it was the foundation which is everything uh, this culture and I, and I brought really good people together most of them knew each other that was also the prerequisite you know minimum seven years in the industry um and if not then you came in and you were going to be at a you know like a junior level but i didn't treat you as a junior you weren't paid as a junior you just knew that that was kind of like your role and you can learn from us but we shared yeah. listings we put everyone on listings we did everything we could to help the unit feel uh almost like we were operating in like one heartbeat right and yeah that's what was the, that was the that was the whole point but my my end game was actually before i went to 2019 and and taking this role down here, I was going to take my team and I was packing, I was six months away from packaging it and going independent. I was just going to get the broker's license or hire someone with a broker's license. And we were going to go in this really cool art gallery and oh, wow. we were going to create the first ground floor retail brokerage slash consultation space that offered you know, this this gallery aspect and that's what, that, so no listings on the door. It was actually going to be quite stark. Uh, I'm a big design fan. So uh, whether it's like a Dieter Rams or Mark Newson style, like we want to like, I wanted some kind of like minimalist, but also punched up approach to, to the brokerage model and the concept of it. And, and that's what I was going to do. And then I was hoping they were going to do it, but ultimately the opportunity came to me and I had, different career objectives and the universe was also pulling me in that direction. So I didn't want to fight the universe on it. And, and that's that. And here we are today. Wow. So I'm happy with the way things are. And I couldn't be happy with the, the wacky inconsistent path that got me here. But the common denominators are three things you're touching on that I want to repeat. So we already said the one, the one is the three things, know your market and starting your business. Like just as an independent agent, the big picture is, the big goal, the big three keys are know your market, build your network and get your case study and build your case studies. Yeah. And then the next thing was just in selling, getting in the weeds, selling, whether you're creating talent or clients or just quote unquote winning business, it's having your pitch, knowing what it is, knowing what your offer is. But before that, the listening component, find the thread, find the thread and have the pitch. Oh. And then the last one, or the one you actually said this in the very beginning, as you put all this together, is you've got to you've got to be competitive. You've got to have value. You've got to be able to offer what no one else can. So in the beginning of your business, realizing that and identifying that, and even to, towards the end of being an agent, when you built that team, it was building the team and the way you built it and the foundation of it and the art gallery and the consultation services and everything. But looking at how you position and 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 think and grow, it's not just like getting on the phone and calling people all day. Like that's not going to cut it. No, we've all done that. It was all, I mean, all those, mistakes, right. all those things we learned from them. But uh, I think that, you know, if you can fortify your and, and really uh, establish, you know, the, your mental to be uh, as strong as it could possibly be, um, it, it sounds somewhat lame, but, you know, it, it's going to get you through a lot and uh, ultimately help you achieve what you're really trying to achieve. You don't always have to go 100 miles an hour in everything you do, but uh, you can train your mind to think and operate that way. And Back to your stoicism. Yeah. There you go. So you kind of, I mean, really, like full circle again. So you kind of like, it's like you listen to the story and everything you did, and you had created this great opportunity, but then you're like, oh, but it's almost – what I'm hearing, it's almost like you kind of outgrew yourself because you grew a huge opportunity for yourself that's still going. Yes, the, the but you had an even bigger opportunity to be a part of one. Yeah, no, the opportunity here was was undeniable. I, I knew uh, the minute after, maybe not a minute, but you get it. Like after that that seminal meeting took place with, uh, with Daniel owner uh, and and myself. I mean, I remember that day pretty vivid, um, and. 
pretty vividly. And, and it's, I just knew like the, the takeaway, I was like, okay, if I'm going to do this thing, th- these are the people I'm going to do it with. It didn't happen immediately. I mean, I definitely did some homework and I did some beta because, uh, research in the sense of like, or, or beta, I should say like, uh, like testing in the sense of seeing like, okay, how's it work there? You know, meeting people, talking, getting the feedback and all that. And, you know, everything, everything just checked out for the most part. And for the first time ever, I really wanted to be a part of what was a big selling point was, uh, the privately owned aspect in Sotheby's. It was never on my radar in New York city ever. I mean, I, I didn't like the offices. I, I don't go to second Avenue. I don't care what's in the auction house. I was just like, so like so consumed and self-absorbed with like my world that I just didn't even consider it as an option. Um, but uh, looking at it now, and in hindsight, I still wouldn't, but now being here, <laughs> but now being here with a privately owned unit uh, of what Maya and Daniel have uh, created, um, it's beyond admirable. But ultimately, you know, you bet on people, right? If they're going to bet on you, I bet on them. And that's how I look at it. Yeah. And, uh, in two and a half years, I mean, I, I Again, I'm still living without regrets, and I, I thoroughly enjoy the work that that I do. And uh, yeah, everything just checked out. But being in a privately owned unit, knowing the growth and the scale that they wanted to achieve, yeah. I want to be a part of that. And uh, too many times in my career and life was I just, you know, you just feel like suppressed with like creative thinking and ideas. So even if your idea doesn't get, uh, you know converted into something into like an actual where there's like an action plan um they'll listen and for me that's a win in itself is knowing that like okay if nothing else i voiced it and i was able to provide some type of guidance or plan with it and if they ever want to come back to it great uh if it's time sensitive they'll probably respond sooner but it's it's just nice to have that open forum where we collaborate and honestly i really think that's one of the biggest drivers as to why agents join this company is because uh you know it it permeates from the top right this like this vibe this familial vibe that we have in this big small company i mean we're going to be a private affiliate in in a global portfolio by end of this year i mean knock on wood but i mean that's like where things are trending so um there's 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 an attractiveness and, and i love the the proactive energy uh, that that we all put out here. That, that's a big deal. Everyone's trying to improve. Everyone's trying to like you know, stack our chips even higher um, and being strategic about it. At the same time, we're not reckless, but you know, we well, the, have goals and, and that's what yeah. you're... Uh, the word that comes to mind is innovation. Like even with the sure. ideas, it's like when you express the ideas, it's not that they get executed on because the expressing them is part of finding the best ones and finding better ones. And knowing that the right and even it- oh, totally. I mean, some of the ideas or concepts or even individuals I've, I've been fortunate enough to like share or put forth. You know, it just wasn't right at the time, right? I mean, I, I'm. I think we're all get to that maturity level where you you figure out, okay, ten years ago you maybe you'd be bummed out, but now you're like, okay, it's a timing play. This really didn't match where things were then. Uh, and then you know, if it's meant to be, it will. It, it really will happen. Uh, or, or or something similar will happen, right? Like to take the place of that concept or idea. Um, yeah. It's easy to think of two things. Number one, sometimes what you think you want, the world has something better for you. And number two, it's funny how when you land or when you look at the when you look at where you are now and you look backwards, stealing this from Steve Jobs, we kind of all know it, it all comes together. And it's really just sure. making the good choices along the way. Yeah. Or as long as the good out, you know, outweigh. Hey, we don't always, we make mistakes, but what do we do with those mistakes? I land on 51% end of year. I'm winning. Pretty good. I mean, that's always what I'm, I'm going for. I don't need to be in the 90th percentile. I found out very early on in my life. I was not going to be in there. So, uh, it all depends. Like now here, think about that, that one though, even like one's a win though. But even in in every aspect, we could be in we could be in the ninety. It's in, in it really is. It's in well, maybe not. But if it, it all depends on how you look at it. Somebody who's ninety, if you you might be taking out twenty other things in their life and who they are to make them in this one category the ninety. But then you weigh it out and you can't. So at the end of the day, we we're just all show up as the best versions of ourselves that we can. 
back to your point in leadership rather than managing. I'm, I'm, I'm wildly uh, content and happy with, with how we do things, uh, how I conduct myself with, with the general, you know, agent population and uh, owners out there. And, uh, and I enjoy doing it. So for me, I mean, that, uh, that, mar- that checks all my boxes, right? I, yeah. I, the guys I work with, I, I don't compete with anyone else other than myself. I have an inner scorecard. Well, none of us do. And right. It's, and it's super uh, private in that sense of what you know I want to do. But um, what I like is that you know we have an opportunity to to make what we're doing here uh, really really special and really stand out and hopefully be uh, a model. Uh, example for for other brokerages that want to you know give back to their agents and uh, you know operate a brokerage I think at you know a top flight level and that's the that's the you know the trajectory that we're that we're definitely on right now which is really exciting. So that leads me to two questions. The the last of the two because I want you to answer it with this in mind is where's real estate going? How do you think it's changing? But sure. on the front end of that, um, because you talk a lot about trajectory of the business and offer what you offer agents and innovation for agents, right? I use the word innovation sure. to sum it up. But what does that look like? How do you know? And in that, I would think you're taking into account where real estate is going and where do you think it's going? So that's a loaded question. So answer it how it comes to you. No, I mean, not so much. I mean, real, I mean, residential real estate, you know, we'll break it down to what we focus on most. And and I see the the industry basically, you know, we're, we're seeing what's happening. I mean, the rates are going up. I mean, we're pricing things will start to correct and and uh, normalize. Oh, them. that's the market. That's yeah, a whole. That's the whole but that that actually our industry is dependent on the market. So go ahead. Yeah. yeah. yeah no, but yeah. It's, no, it's it's good to get you know redirected on course uh, with agents and the things I see right now in, in the marketplace. Uh, I see agents. That, that are going to last. And then I see uh, a population of agents that I, I think are just going to just take their skills and, and go in, in a different direction, which means basically saying, I think the population in agents is going to reduce, even though it was, you know, the number one Google search for uh, career change uh, during the pandemic, or at least during all of 21. Mm. Uh, that's what I think. I think the concentration of agents and the population is going to reduce. There's too much disruption out there right now. The industry is ripe for disruption. It's not going to stop. It's only going to heighten. And I think with that happening, especially where uh, the bulk of agents do sell, aside from the coastal elite, but in middle America and everywhere else, I mean, that, that market is, is well below uh, average sale price of a million dollars. Okay. So that's where the disruption is taking place. Some of the biggest companies are going, corporations, I should say, not companies, are becoming the largest land lords in the country if not the planet by scooping up all these homes and then renting them out for whatever they think is fair market rent so that's that's what i see happening and then what what happens with all having said all that agents can't compete right how how do you compete and you're just going to be picking off deals your market share is going to drop tremendously and then sooner or later the inconsistency of making ends meet uh through deal flow and um and having lack of sales volume you, you basically put yourself out of business. And it's unfortunate because it's not because you're not good at what you do. It's just there's a bigger, more powerful entity out there. Um, taking so, that market. That's interesting because I've, I've wondered that too is, sorry, I had to pick up my pen. But is it sounds like what you're saying is that ownership is going to become more, they're going to become, I mean, inventories as far as like how many houses exist. There's always going to be more inventory available is going to be less. And part of that reason is because more and more people who are buying now are buying and renting. Correct. And so, yeah. Population. I think it's kind of what happened with brokerages, like in big cities with all the disruption happening, you know, if they wanted to sustain life, and be and stay operational, they had to band together. They had to merge. They had to create these like super versions of themselves with other brokerages just to remain relevant and in business for that, for the most importantly. Um, and, and agents are going to do that too, right? Like we're, we're basically a, a brokerage that houses hundreds of or thousands of brokerages, right? Brands. We're, so basically I, I'm a really big uh, fan and very interested in brand building, right? I think every brand is different and it's something I really want to spend a lot of time, especially in the next 12 to 16 months and really just help and understand more about uh, 
how that re- resonates with agents. But I see that happening with the top talent down here too, and and elsewhere, even in Manhattan and Los Angeles, Southern California, and other like luxury key markets. The the top agents continue to band together because sooner or later they just feel like if I'm going to do this alone, I'm not going to go very far. If I partner, I'm going a little bit faster, but I'm still going to be kind of treading or maybe jogging in place. So I do think these like super groups or brokerages within brokerages, really what they're going to hemorrhage to be look like. Uh, that's that's really a, a trend I'm seeing, and and I'm I'm all for it, right? As long as everyone's treated fairly, and, and compensation is 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 definitely uh, aggressively shared, I'm okay with it. But um, uh, that's what I see happening because I just don't see room for the the mediocre or exactly. Well, and to your point, I've always thought new technology. Everybody uses oh, technology is going to like Zillow is going to eliminate the need for an agent. It did the opposite. It actually yeah. enhanced our need for more support and exactly what you're talking about is more banding together, putting people in their places of strength to work together. For example, more teams, they seem to be popular. Some people say that's a trend. Some people say that's out of necessity. That's a little bit of what I'm hearing or what are your thoughts on well, that? It's just, it's just tough. It's always tough times for agents, even when money is good and markets are, are, are hot. I just think doing it on a repetitive basis, it's, it's one of the hardest professions to, to remain relevant in. That's why I always say, like, I survived, right? <laughs> right. I know I heard that earlier. I didn't call you out on that, but yeah. I mean, regardless of what's in your bank account or how well you did or, or you know, played or whatever, um, I, I, that's what I see with agents. I, I've seen it here. I've seen it in New York. And I've seen it in other markets. I mean – it's 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 not just a trend when you see it in the biggest, most demanding, most cutthroat, most uh, tenacious uh, markets. Not just real estate, but just markets in general. So that's that's what I, I think is going to continue. I, I think with the barrier of entry, unfortunately, still as easy as it is uh, to get into this industry. Uh, what I'm excited about is that there's a lot of talent that wants to be in real estate. I just think it doesn't have to be as real estate agents. I think mm. all this talent that wants to come in, I'm really like. In my crazy head, I'm thinking, why do you have to be an agent? You just drove down the street that you live on. You saw five different faces with five different phone numbers. I was like. Because it looks so much easier from the outside. It depends who took that person's photo. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it's it, They're not all the same. Uh, I'm not calling everyone I look at. Um, but right. I, I, all seriousness, I do think that with all this talent and, and – uh, whether it's tech or whatever you want to call it, because that's such a broad, open-ended uh, term these days, is is just that you're you're smart, you have skills, get in real estate, but you don't have to be an agent. You can get licensed, mm-hmm. but learn first. Learn doing something else, whether it's in the marketing side of things, or maybe you can work on a team and like an administrative or a team director, right? Like manage the business for a top performing team. I mean, I can't tell you the need or the the amount of inquiries I get. Uh, asking for for talent to join teams that are non-transacting agents. So true. Back to where the real. That's. I mean, that's honestly. I have two appointments today. After this, uh, among other things, that the two of them are is just Taylor. Can you help me? Like this is what I'm looking for. And, and quite frankly, you know, I'll carve out the time to do because that's part of the job. But also, I mean, I get excitement in in honestly helping uncover and get someone and plucking them out of the world that they're just kind of existing in and giving them an opportunity at our amazing company to work with an amazing team that I know is going to treat them well and actually show them some like real growth. And in yeah. all else, if nothing else, uh, they can get a license during that time and they're going to learn a lot. So they could always, and under, you know, good, I want them to focus on industry related roles, not from the transaction side. So t- on that, earlier we said, know the market or know the business, the, like the three keys in this business, know the business, build your network and get your case studies. But number one, know the business. How many agents come into this business not knowing it, not learning it and thinking they're they're just going to hop straight to the results? It's like, I want to be a rock star. I'm just going to be on stage, play guitar and everybody's going to love me. It doesn't work that way. You can take the left lane or, you know, the passing lane and join a team. I mean, it's kind of what I did, right? I mean, yeah. it is- verbatim what I did. I mean, but, and there's a lot of agents that want to do it, but you have to know your value propositions. And that's the biggest thing is, is what do you bring to the table? Right. Cause when someone's right. look the part, talk the part, that's great. But like, 
they know what your objective is. It's take, take, take until it's time for you to spread your wings and fly. So you have to figure out what your value proposition is as an agent first and foremost. And, and please don't say you're a people person. Don't tell me you. Thank you. Don't. <laughs> it's great that you My are. service is the best. Well, everybody thinks their service is the best, but what is that service? What do you have to show for it? And Would I think specific, please. Yeah. Case studies. Back yes. to the three. Yeah, sure. But that, that's you, a good thing. And it's one of the first questions I ask anyone that's newly licensed, regardless of where they where they come from. I don't care about the background. If you if you if you know your worth and you can articulate it and communicate it effectively, I have a place for you like yesterday. But if you're a work in progress, I'm just going to save your information and we're, we'll figure out something will click. I have a weird sticky memory where I, I can always kind of put something together, uh, even though I have every CRM under the sun operating. Yeah, exactly. So I'm covered. Nothing gets through. I get crap. that. Yeah. But, uh, that's really the, the most important thing for me, what I look for. What do you think? So one more question. It's going to be a little repetitive, but I want to sum it up. And this question oh, yeah. will do it the right way. And then I'm going to ask our final three. Okay. As an agent, just an agent, if you could speak to the general agent population in this moment, what is the question to ask yourself as an agent? Or what is the key to making sure you position and find that success? And don't, if your forecast is, is right, and a lot of agents are going to fall away, how do you make sure you're not going to be that agent? Okay. Uh, the first part anyway is what I caught. I have ADD and I'm the last Yeah, part. me too. That's why I asked it three times. I, I, I figured out the right, but the last part, how the do you make sure you're not going to get eliminated from this industry at the rate it's going and where it's going? First, first and foremost, I, I'd want to know from an agent today, if I was asking the question, uh, you know, what, what do your next 12 months look like? Like, do you have anything charted out for yourself? Like, do you have any like personal goals or, or vanity goals that you want to achieve as an agent? And if, if not, um, do so, but also, um, are you doing anything right now to to get to that point? And if not, stop what you're doing and let's let's re let's let's redirect you know your your business plan so that we we can get you back on the rails and go in the right direction uh, because you know that, that that's exactly what I, that, that's it. I think the first half and then the second. I mean. If you want to exist and you still want to be a player in the business and not just um, and not just exist, I should say, is one of two things. Partner up, join a group, put a team together, you know, really like bet on yourself to do something and 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 be unique and be genuine and authentic about it at the same time. Because too many agents I felt just rushed in to putting a team together without taking any time or or attention or care to even understand on how to construct a team. How, how am I even operating this team? Are there, are, there, are there any processes? Or I mean, have I have I seeked any type of guidance on how to put this together and how am I going to elevate others around me? Not just my own bottom line, but how am I going to be elevating the team around me? So, you know, think bigger than yourself if you do go that route always uh, long-term, if you can control it. And, and that's, that's, that's the move. That's what every, that's, that's what you have to do because sooner or later you, you don't know, what that could that could spin out to be? You can become a, a broker. You can you can open up multiple offices in other markets, uh, or you can be acquired. I mean, you know what I mean. There, there's so yeah. many ways to go, but if you create an, a brand and if you if you have that already, if you have everything I've already mentioned, then um, I would say go niche. Then then really pick out exactly you know what it is that you're most interested in. Are you 10 million plus guy or gal? I mean, then that's then that's you. Don't touch anything at nine 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 nine. Then you are ten. There's million a lot dollars. of good money to be made in referrals. And 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 and, be, and do that. And you can yeah. be a referral. You can be a referral team, but be niche. If you have if you have all the fundamentals and the cornerstones of your your team and your 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 brokerage, whether independent or currently with a, another company, um, go niche because I think that is really what resonates with with buyers especially if you're trying to service and tap into that that upper asset class uh you know the socioeconomic yeah. so that was three that was three answers to staying relevant in today's industry and now i'm going to do the final three the uh, final three questions for every interview but number one if you're going to be successful in this industry know your plan at least a year out and know your what you're doing right now as and how it how it aligns that plan number one and if you're not doing that just stop and do that. Number two, think bigger than yourself 
and look at how you can elevate others. And number three, if you've got all that covered, make sure you know what you do, you know your value, you niche it, you focus on it. And remember, this is my, my tagline to add to that, the, the opportunity in referring and outsourcing everything else so that you hone in and hone your time and your expertise and what you've built into what generates, what delivers the best service and generates the best profits and income. I'm glad you're recording all this. This is great. Oh, that's why ADD, all right? I learned like it's like my quote unquote coping, cope or thrive, whatever we want to call it. All right, yeah. Final three. Yep. Final three questions. Number one, if there has been a most powerful resource or tool in your success, what is it? Persistence. Mm, I like it. Accepting of no. I mean, no, when it, from the professional sense. And it's just, I don't know what it is, but every time I hear it, I mean, I only hear maybe. And love that. So, my persistence, I mean, I'm unrelenting in, in, in what I do. And uh, the agents that have joined or and that will be joining, I mean, I think they'll all be saying that about myself as well. Persistence, be unrelenting, which reminds me of my favorite book or one of my favorite books. I have a lot you've learned. But um, number two, if there is a book and you had to name one and you can name more, but if you had to name one, what do you think it would be of what's going to be most impactful to your career in life? One book. I mean, there was a book I read when I was trying to start companies when I was uh, a real estate agent and I did, um, which I didn't get into. Uh, but the, the guy that started Tom's Shoes, do you remember that? Those things, no. Tom's Shoes? Tom. No, I want to remember. Tom's, Tom's are like, shoes. Tom's are like, you know, for like silly little canvas shoes or whatever. Anyway, oh, he yeah. wrote a book on his like entrepreneurial journey uh, from doing these open-ended jobs and then a trip to Argentina. He saw these interesting shoes on these people's feet when he was riding horses. And he was like, I'm going to make these and bring them back to the States. And ultimately he, he he turned it into a massive company. But the book was what I thought was so cool is it was a really unfiltered, open examination, just open kimono all the way. I mean, he gave you all the mistakes, all the all the issues. I don't remember the name of it, but um, I think the book is is it start something that matters? Yeah. Blake McCoskey. Yeah, there you go. Is that it? Thank you for looking it up. That was the one that comes like top of mind because I just liked how real he was throughout the entire book. Other than that, um, I'm a big I love guy, it. and I love Shoe Dog. I just love it. Shoe Dog. Oh, I've read that. That's what a, a great book. That's you, the Nike guy forever. And yes, Shoe Dog was awesome. But the so on Phil the, Knight, the yeah. founder of Nike, it's his, his his autobiography, which I was not going to read it, and I had someone on my team who said you have to read it, and it was a great book. But you said so. The first one is Start Something That Matters by Blake McCoskey, who started Tom Shoes. And it's just really authentic about life, work, being an entrepreneur and being in business. Yeah. The other one was shoe dogging. Was there another one you put in there that I may have talked about? Yeah, I mean, there's, there's a couple. I mean, I'm a health freak. I'll just I'll say freak, not fanatic, because I do take it to an extreme. Uh, and, and Dr. Uh, David Sinclair, he's he's got a couple mm. of books. Uh, one is called Lifespan. And the other one's called How Not to Die. <laughs> I have that one. And uh, those, yeah. and it's not morbid, but those books are. are, are it's great though. How Not uh, to Die is like on my coffee table in my living room right now. They're truly fantastic. Rational Optimist is another one that is. Well, now, what is Rational Optimist? It's another fantastic book uh, by Matt Ridley. And it's, yeah, it, it, again, it's. Matt Ridley. Resonate to my energy and what I'm into. I mean, this. It's a really cool book and a lot of entrepreneurs and a lot of big, big uh, industry uh, founders, co-founders. They, these are all like from that tree of books. Well, but, common denominator take common denominator takeaway from these books or what do you, or is there one? Everyone just started. That's mm. it. That's it. That's the hardest thing is to just do it. Just start it. Just get it up off the ground. Uh, and let everything else just kind of play out. Uh, I started yeah. that, that failed, 
uh, and ultimately set me up to get to this place now. And I always have my own like pursuits uh, of things I like to do, but I didn't tell you before, but while in, in as an agent, I went to FIT at night, the Fashion Institute of Technology in Manhattan. So I went there to start uh, a cashmere t-shirt line that didn't really get off the ground. Ah. So that, uh, I mean, no one was really looking for cashmere t-shirts, unfortunately, at the time. Right. But I love I it, though. I had them all made. That was fun. And then I started an importing company with a friend of mine, only with a product that was about eight years ahead of its time for the States, because now a major musician uh, bought the rights to it and they're having like... Yes, but was it the, the, the right, what product did you, do you have the rights to it or? Uh, we had rights through, uh, my partner's family member was a senior executive at Heineken who owned this, this Finnish canned cocktail product called. Oh, Gin. is it the little canned? Is that uh, what was that? What it, it's 12 ounce, but uh, it's called gin long drink, long drink. But now these, uh, a musician and, a, and, and their, you know, label bought it about a few years ago and they just took it to another level. But in 2011, we started an importing company just to bring this stateside because we were so gung-ho about it. But uh, And this was the cocktail? What, what, what was it again? It was made for like the 1940-some-odd other Winter Olympics that the only time they were held in Finland. And they, they didn't have the bandwidth or like cocktail. Yeah. Time. So they were like, how do we create something that's amazing for – you know, the guests and everyone that's going to, you know, descend on Finland for the Winter Olympics in the 40s. So they decided to make this like grapefruit gin drink in a can. They're awesome. And if you live in the panhandle, you'll you'll really enjoy them. And that was okay. it. And we had it. We had pallets. We had the whole thing ready to go. And uh, I don't know. The, the partner didn't want to like follow through, I guess. I don't know. And I was all gung-ho, but I didn't want to do it solo. So we just kind of let it go, fell by the wayside. But someone else did a much better job than probably we could have done. And now it's at the forefront and you can buy it at, you know, most anywhere in the States right now. And what's it called? Long Drink. Long Drink. I swear, I think I've seen those. Okay, last question. I I trust my gut. I only say that because I did try things. Admittedly, they failed. And... But I do know that I trust my gut and those things are now in fashion or at least at the forefront of today's consumer market. So I know, you know, I'm, I'm on to something, but. Yeah. But like it goes back to what you said earlier is as you do things, you have ideas, but it's about timing and being open to what's right. And there may be greater forces at play than what you can control. And there are better things if you just, like you said, just get started. I've spent my worst ways. And uh, learn, always learn, always listen and know your value. That's it. Just start, get out of your own way, stop overthinking things. Uh, It may work out, it may not, but I promise you, you're going to feel better and you'll be able to go to sleep much better knowing that you've gotten it off the ground and you just went for it, regardless of which way it goes, because no one could ever say you didn't do anything. That's like, what is it? I forgot who said this. I was listening to the other day and he said, People don't regret, regret, when you ask people what, about what their regrets, it's rarely what they did, it's what they didn't do. Sure, always. Last question. If there's anything you hope, if everybody listening, including me, is going to forget this entire conversation and <laughs> only remember one thing, which I won't, what is the one thing you hope we take away from our conversation today? The, the one thing from today's mm-hmm. conversation? Or at all, there's something different, whatever. The one thing you want to leave us with? Just that, uh, I don't even know if it was shared in the conversation or whatever, but I hope the tone, if you can take away like a tone and and kind of uh, uh, reduce it down into a message and just anything you do in life or professionally or at home or with friends, family, be kind, be useful. Everything else will just work out. And that's just my approach every day. And uh, hopefully that's what I would want to be taken away. Just being kind, be useful. Everything will be just fine. And that was one of the very first things you said. You said gentle with people. Okay, I'm now, I wrote it down. But tough gentle on. with people, tough with standards, or what was it? Gentle with people, 
tough on standards. Tough on standards. Yeah. Taylor, thank you. That was awesome to see you and thank you for being on. My pleasure, Jerry. See you soon, hopefully. Thanks for listening to the Jerry Metcalf podcast, where top real estate agents tell how they do it. If you like this episode, please share it with friends. To find more episodes, search Jerry Metcalf podcast on any platform for podcasts or go to jerrymetcalfpodcast.com. That's J-E-R-E-M-E-T-C-A-L-F podcast.com. Podcast.com.